Hi everyone, it's Joe here from Lawn Solutions Australia and welcome to this episode of Turf Talk where today I'm joined by Yiri Capro and Yiri is the Senior Development Specialist at Enview. Yiri, how are you going? Good, thanks Joe. So, Enview, so it hasn't been a name that's been in the industry a long time. Why don't you tell us a little bit about who Enview is and what Enview does? So Enview came about uh, last year, October 22, when uh, Bayer sold off a division called Environmental Science. Right. So environmental science includes turf ornamentals and a few other things. Yep. Um, so that was bought by a private equity company out mm-hmm. of London, yep. and they created a new company called Enview. So it was a, a global sale. Everyone who was in environmental science in Bayer around yep. the world uh, are now in a new company called Enview. Called Enview, right. Right. Very, very interesting. So everyone would have definitely heard of Bayer. Uh, so Enview, is, it's just an ongoing thing from Bayer, essentially. It's an ongoing thing, but we are now independent. So yep. while we've still got access to the Bayer pipeline, mm-hmm. um, we've now, being independent, got the opportunity to talk to third parties Great. about you know other things that we might be able to bring in the business. And what's your role at Enview? What are you what are you getting to do day to day? So I'm on the technical side of things. So it's it's trial work, um, technical support for the sales guys and for customers. Yep. Um, but yeah, the main role is tech, doing doing trials, getting trial data to support the registration of of, of new products. In turf and a, and a few of the other markets. So turf and ornamental, is that sort of your two main? Um, turf and ornamental is sort of one. We sort of group that as one part of the business. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a, another part of the business called vegetation management. Okay, yeah. So I do a fair bit with woody weed control, right. forestry, mm-hmm. um, weed control in industrial areas like railway lines, yep. electricity substations. So how much of your role is, is turf dedicated then? Uh, at the moment, it's probably 50-50. Yeah. Um, you know, until we started the vegetation management business, it was sort of 95 turf, but uh, yeah, it's sort of a bit of a split now at the moment. And how much of it is turf farms or is it more in golf and sports turf for you? It is really at the uh, at the sports turf end of end of things. Um, yep. So yeah, a lot of time spent on golf courses, footy fields, yep. yeah, that kind of thing. It's quite an, an interesting career that you've had uh, in the turf industry. I said I recognised you before from the old Turfcraft magazine, so you used to see your photo on your article uh, in Turfcraft. But how did you get into what you're doing now? What sparked you? Was was research always something you were interested in or the science side of things, or did that develop over time? Um, I think probably like most things, it just happened by, by accident. Um, so I completed my bachelor's degree up at University of New England in Armadale. Mm-hmm. Ended up working in a... Um, an agricultural soil testing laboratory in country New South Wales. So we were doing soil, water, plant tissue testing yep. kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then needed to make a move away from there mm-hmm. and there was a long time ago an organisation called the Australian Turf Grass Research Institute Yes, and they uh, advertised a position for a, a laboratory manager, which was my role in the, this uh, agricultural business. And I went for the job. Didn't get it. Two weeks later, I got a phone call from the boss at, at Atri at the Turf Research Institute and said, we've got another position that's come up. Yeah. Would you like it? So, um, and that was working in development. So that was doing trial work for companies and so forth. So where, where was Atri based? Then? So Atri was based at Concord West. Okay, yeah. And what did you study at the university? Was it soil science that you were... No, no, I, I studied natural resource management right. at, at Armadale. I um, always, well... My, my passion, I guess, at that stage was uh, plants, wildlife, the bush. So I was yep. hoping, you know, 
maybe a career in something like national parks or environmental conservation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for whatever reasons, um, yeah, ended up in this oil testing laboratory job and yep. um, then ended up in turf. And once I got into turf, of course, it was totally different to what I'd studied. Yeah, so, sure. yeah, yeah, I ended up doing some study at Sydney University with uh, Peter Martin and a yep. heap of other people to mm-hmm. get some turf knowledge. So, yeah. so how long have you been in the industry now then, we say? Um, so I started at Atri in the early 1990s. Yeah. Is that 30 years? Uh, yeah, it yeah, <laughs> would be. Yeah, yeah it would 30 be. years in the turf industry. And, and what have been some of the big projects you've been involved with over the way? Obviously, you work with Bayer. Uh, it was dedicated primarily to turf with Bayer yes. too, wasn't it? Yep. So what are some of the big things you've been involved with? Um, is it Has it mainly been just new product registration over the years? or uh, On the company side of things, yeah. Mm-hmm. So obviously, at, with Atri, we did a lot of more independent sort of research projects. Yep. We ran a annual research seminar mm-hmm. and a lot of publications. So there was all that kind of thing we put together. And then once got in the company, it has been yeah, really product development. So yep. yeah. probably nearly every product that we sell and I've been involved with in the development and mm-hmm. some of the ones that I developed 20 years ago, yeah. we probably don't sell anymore. They've yeah. uh, now long gone and been replaced by other things. So. so what do you look for when you're trying to get a new product registra- registered? So let's say it's a new product that you want to test out for turf. Um, what kind of things are you testing and what kind of things are you looking out for? Um, it, it, it really starts with the end user and seeing what kind of problems are out there and mm-hmm. what they're ha- struggling to control. Yeah. Um, whether that's weeds, diseases, insects, mm-hmm. and then seeing what we've got available that might fit to, to manage that problem. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if there's a lot of options for something, uh, there's perhaps not no need for another product to do the same thing as that's been quite successfully done at the moment with current products. Yeah. But if there is something that people are struggling with, then, yeah, hey, let's see what's available mm-hmm. that we might be able to work on and develop into that situation. So where does the actual development of the product itself happen? Does that happen at all in Australia, does it? Or um, th- th- We really do the, the final bit of the field work. Yeah. Um, so the, all, the, all the early work is done in, you know, laboratories, and um, in Europe, in America, yeah, and the initial screening work, which might be in glass houses, um, that kind of thing happens over there. And then uh, once they've sort of worked things out a bit, then it, then it comes to us for that final part of the registration. And you put it in the field, you make sure it doesn't harm the turf, it doesn't burn, there's no long-term yeah. issues and that yeah, sort of thing. Lo- lo- most, of, most of that's already been done, especially you know, our market's been quite similar to the USA, yeah. that they've, they've done a lot of that testing. So it's just really get, getting that local data for, for our own registrations. I mean, yeah. we do have some of our own unique pests which they don't have overseas and weeds and so forth. Sure. So, yeah, yeah, we certainly need to look at those as well. And let's take a... Let's, uh, a, I guess a, one more of the well-known products that have come, I think it's come out of the end, end view Bayer program, is, is Ronstar. Ronstar. Uh, Ronstar. So Ronstar, for those that don't know, is a pre-emergent herbicide. It's got the active in it, Oxidizon, which is probably more commonly known in the turf market now through products like Oxifert and Oxapro. So were you involved initially with Ronstar? Were you? Ronstar is one of those products that was way, way before my time. Is, uh, is it, is it been around a while? I'm not it? sure how far it goes back, but it goes yeah. back many, many decades when right. it was first uh, discovered. Mm-hmm. So it's quite amazing that it's still out there and, uh, and you know, 
people are still finding value in it because mm-hmm. it has been around for a long time. We've certainly, I've been involved with some um, extension of the label, some further work, but the initial work was, yeah, a long time before I me. didn't know that. Right. Mm. So how long's the process now? Let's say you identify a need for a product in the market. Let's say there's, there's a weed that people can't control or having trouble with. Enview decide, hey, we're going to fix this problem. What kind of timeline are we looking to develop a product like that and then go through trials and eventually bring it to market? So if, if it's an active ingredient that's already used in Australia in, say, agriculture or horticulture, mm-hmm. we might do three years' worth of field trials, then submit for registration, which could take 12 months, 18 months. Right. If it's an active ingredient that's not registered in Australia, then that we've still got the same amount of trial work, yeah. but that APVMA process being a new active ingredient will stretch into two, three years, right? Depending on on how things go. So, so we could be five to ten years, yep. um, before something actually happens. And yep. I haven't had a lot to do with the APVMA, and I imagine you've had quite a lot to do with the APVMA. Oh. Is it a difficult thing in turf grass or in or in our industry to get products registered? I'd imagine, like medicinal, you know, pharmaceutical stuff would be would be very, very difficult as we're talking about human bodies. But in the turf industry, is it a frustratingly long process to get stuff sorted? Um, it's, it's certainly frustrating and there have been times when it's been taken quite a while mm-hmm. and other times it's it, it's been a bit more speedy. Yeah. It really depends on the product, um, the use situation, because obviously dealing with turf, we're much more in an urban environment than, you know, Broad acre agricultural situation, yeah. so you've got a lot of different things to, to that they have to consider yeah. in terms of exposure and surrounding properties and all those kinds of things. So, what do you do day to day now? So, you, you you conduct field trial work. Do you are you at a different site conducting trials like every second day or every second week, or um, is it is it is there lab based stuff for you still now? Is it or not really? No, not laboratory work is. Pretty limited. Some some glasshouse work um, or greenhouse work, but yeah, it's, it's it's really being out in the field at different sites, looking at different things. And and what do you where do you see all this going? So we we interviewed um, Simon Hutton recently, who's a, a turf producer from the UK, and what they're allowed to spray on their turf compared to what we're allowed to spray on our turf is chalk and cheese. They mm. they virtually I got a shock how little they can actually yeah. use. What do you see happening in the Australian turf industry with with registrations for products on turf. Do you see that see that getting a lot stricter over the next little period of time or do you still think we're okay in that it's, regard? Yeah, it, it's, a, it's an interesting question which we, we, we don't know the answer to but I guess agriculture being very important in Australia uh, as, a, as a trade, mm. um, you know, economically being so important that, you know, that, that we need products to manage wheat and cotton and mm. all those horticultural crops. Um so you think that products will stay around and hopefully they'll be still available in turf. Mm-hmm. There'll certainly be some changes. I think there'll be a lot more biological products come in. Yep. You know, inverted quotes, natural products, but plant extracts and other things. So mm-hmm. I think we'll see a lot more of that. The development of synthetic chemistry is extremely expensive. You know, we're in the hundreds of millions of dollars for a new molecule. Um, oh, wow. Okay. And the lead time is, is getting longer. So then by the time patent runs out, if the company hasn't made their money back, then they've lost money. So yeah. 
yeah, you know, it's, it's been 30 years since we had a new mode of action herbicide developed around the world. So, oh, really? So because of that reason? Be, yeah, yeah. So you know, it's 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 a really expensive process, and companies are taking a risk in that. Yeah, allocating funds to develop something, mm-hmm. which then may at the last minute not get registered. Yeah. So then, so it's a massive so, punt for companies. Yeah, to, it is to do this it right. Is. And so when you you said before, there's more biological. Was that the right word? Biological-based yep, biological. products. So that's things that uh, got natural derivatives. It's, it's it's totally developed naturally. Like, what what do you mean exactly by that? Well, it, it could be a, a, a bacteria, it could be a fungi for disease control, for insect control, even weed control. Various essential oils out of plants yeah. that have got herbicide properties. Um, they may form form the basis. They'll obviously have to be formulation work to create something that's going to be usable, stable in a container, mm-hmm. have a shelf life. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a lot of work that will need to be done. There's actually so much to think about when you look at it. Do, do you look at that sort of stuff, like the stability of a product and how long it can sit in the shelf? Is that part of your role? No, or, no, that's, that, that's done by the chemists. So, yeah. and, you know, we've got a formulation team in the USA mm-hmm. that, that work all the time on formulations, Um you know things like stability, different surfactants, um, uh, buffers, wetting agents, whatever that goes into those products. Yeah. yeah. So, so what's in the without giving away too many secrets? What what's in the pipeline now for Envue? Is there is there some any exciting product releases on the horizon that you can that you can delve into now? Um, our turf product development at the moment is in early stages with our products, so mm-hmm. we're at the first stage of that two, three-year cycle of field trials. Yep. Um, so, and then the registration process. So, yeah, we're probably four four years away from some of those products coming to the market. Um, but we're, we're talking to a lot of other companies mm-hmm. about what they have and what might be available. And, you know, it's it's quite possible that we won't be just a chemical company. There'll be other things yeah, right. which, will, which will fit in as well and they may or may not need APVMA registration. Yeah. Could be something totally different. So, the, our parent company is certainly looking to expand us with acquisitions of, of of other technologies. What's the focus now for you, though? Is there is there more effort put into say to say weed control uh, as opposed to anything else? Is that the paramount one for you when it comes to turf? I, I think I think weed control is is yeah it's pretty significant at the moment yeah. because of the massive herbicide resistance issues we've got. Yes, and we've seen that in agriculture. Um, with things like annual ryegrass resistance to mm-hmm. resistance to so many different modes of action, and now with things like power winter grass, we've got massive resistance problems. So, yeah, the weed control is certainly one of the big ones. So, we're just talking about this earlier today. Is is the resistance f- that power has got now against a lot of a lot of different herbicides out there? It's it's proving to be a really difficult power's yeah. winter grass for those that don't know power annual. It's proving to be a really difficult weed to control. So if you have a product now that gets used to control power and you're developing resistance, how do you change that? Like, what's the process look like then to try and? Because I'd imagine there'd be a a lot of different types of power and that develop a lot of different types of resistance. Where do you even start when you're trying to fix a problem like that? Yeah, no, exactly. So we are certainly hanging out for new mode of action herbicides, Mm -hmm. which I think we'll see in in a few years' time coming onto the market, and that'll help, but then we risked 
if we overuse those, of developing resistance to, to those. So we need good resistance management strategies. Yeah. So tank mixing of different modes of action mm-hmm. is probably the number one. Yeah. Um, do, do not go and spray out one mode of action, tank mix uh, different herbicides. The use of pre- and post-emergent herbicides yeah. is important. If you're in a situation where you can use non-selectives, so if your turf goes dormant enough, or if you can tolerate some of the damage, some mm-hmm. of the non-selectives can be a different mode of action. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah. mix up your program, mix up your mode of actions, yep. use both pre and post, and don't be too consistent with anything. Is that basically? No, no, that's right. If, yeah. if, you're, if you're on a good thing, don't stick to it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's really what it's telling you. If, if yeah. something's working and yeah. you just keep on doing what's working for you, mm-hmm. you know, what's going to happen down the track you're going to have resistance and it's not going to work. And that's what we saw. You know, we can take the sulfonyl urea herbicides, the, the monuments, the tributes, the mm-hmm. destinies, that family of herbicides, they were used for POA initially because they were so good. So we use them, use them, use them, use them. And yeah. now, whoa, they're not working anymore because yeah. we didn't have a good resistance management strategy mm-hmm. from the start. And that's really what has – if a new herbicide mode of action comes along that works well, we need a good resistance management strategy from day one – to make sure that herbicide keeps working down the track. Is the same thing happening across all your sectors or is it, or is, is power, obviously what we see with power, power is a massive problem in, in turf production and resistance, resistance is a massive problem. You see that obviously with a lot of annual ryegrasses and that sort of stuff in other cropping. Is, yeah. it, is, is it similar like to, to what we see in turf? Power, yeah, it's, it's very similar with weeds. Yeah. In terms of diseases, we see some resistance, mm-hmm. certainly not as great. Um, insects. Again, resistance, prob- it's there with certain insects, certain insecticide groups, but minor yeah. compared with with um, with power in, yeah. in turf. Okay. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's so really so it is a big problem. It is. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's not just Australia, it's it's everywhere around, around the world, the world. Yeah, okay. in turf. Yeah, sure, sure. So what does the next sort of few years hold for the Yuri Capro then in the turf industry? What are you, What's your main focus going to be over the next two, three, four, five years? Um well, I, with this new company, I guess, yeah, it's an exciting time to see what they acquire yeah, um, and what we can include and start working on. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been a few digital things and so forth that um, we've bought, sort of been having a look at and they yeah. might come in. Uh, there's certainly a whole sweep of, of new products that we may start working on. So... Yeah, it's an exciting time for me. I'm obviously getting towards the end of end of my career in Surely the turf not. industry, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I think things are developing so quickly, especially with technology. You know, mm-hmm. robotics and digital technology, drones, and with, with who knows what's going to come in the next few years. It just seems to develop so quickly. Have you delved much into robotics at the moment? Because we've seen quite a lot of it lately, like um, robotic weed control, yeah. for example, like using. Um, NDVI and other digital imaging methods to spot out weeds of turf and this robot just goes on the ground and, and spots them out and sprays them out. If you don't much work with that, I find that fascinating. Well, we haven't done anything here. I know there has been work done done in the US um, and we've certainly been looking at various things, but it, it's amazing what's happening with, mm-hmm. you know, with, with burning, with lasers, with yeah. electricity, with uh, microwaves. So there's all sorts of weed control technology being looked at yeah. and that is certainly could be a key part of, you know, that resistance that we talked about with herbicide is that these other um, 
options in terms of weed control. It's going to be an exciting few right. years for sure. I know we um, we were lucky enough to go to the US earlier this year and we went to uh, some of our, our people travelling with us went to the World Ag Expo and it was all about robotics. Like yeah, it, right. it, it yeah. really is going to be something special. We've got mowers here now. Uh, we mm. play around with a lot of robotic mowers, but I know ro- robotic weed management uh, is going to be a, a pretty exciting thing for the future. So Yuri Capro, it, it wasn't a um, – it was a – a different name for me. I had to ask you how to pronounce it a couple of times there. So you're obviously, um, you weren't born in Australia. Uh, whereabouts are you from and, and how'd you get to where you're at now? Uh, yes, I was born in Finland. Um, mm-hmm. Came out in, in 1975 mm-hmm. at the age of 10. Um, mm-hmm. So you can imagine, and that was, I think it was January. So January in Finland is the middle of winter. <laughs> January in Sydney is the middle of summer. So um, yeah, a, bit of a bit of a shock in that way yeah. when, uh, when we moved to Australia. Uh, arrived in Sydney and, and grew up in the country mm-hmm. uh, in, in New South Wales. So w- why the move? Uh, a long story, Joe, uh, yeah. but uh, involved mum, mum falling falling for an Australian while, while overseas yep. and um, then my parents decided to split up. They, mm-hmm. you know, things weren't going that well. Mm-hmm. So um, mum and I sort of packed up and, uh, and moved to the other side of the world. And you said the weather was a shock to the system. What about the culture and moving here in general? Was that a big change for you at, at that age? Uh, it was. You know, we, we were living on a farm mm-hmm. uh, out at, uh, outside Goulburn. Right. So, and my family's, you know, still got a farm there. So, yeah, getting on a property... Um, from urban life, living in an apartment in Finland, yeah, was certainly different. But um, yeah, I mean, great, you know, farm farm life for a kid, mm-hmm. running around, and uh, you know, it was it was all, it was great Mo- times. Moving to Goulburn, you get to experience real farm life pretty quick, don't you? I suppose it's a real rural area. It's a real country, Australia. It town did, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, back in the nineteen seventies, there was no uh, no freeway to to Sydney, so mm-hmm. it was an all day trip. Yeah. To, uh, as you pass through every little town on the old Hume Highway to, to go anywhere. So, yeah, 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 you were pretty isolated. And you got to experience some. I know you'd be used to cold weather in Finland, but Goulburn can get awfully cold too. Uh, and it's, it's funny, I don't like cold weather. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, growing up in Finland, people say that that's amazing. But, uh, yeah, and especially that wind, that southerly wind. Oh, yeah, that yeah, blows yeah. in Goulburn. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know that for firsthand how cold it can get there. And so, when you moved here, you went to Goulburn, then you went and studied in Armidale. What, what cold part of Australia are you? Are you, are you found yourself in now? Uh, yeah, I didn't think of that, but yes, um, yeah, Goulburn to Armidale wasn't much different. Uh, my first year at Armidale, it snowed. Yeah. I came back from lectures and some group of guys had, had broken into my room and built a snowman on my desk in <laughs> uh, my room being a first, a fresh, as we, we're called, freshers, yeah. first year students. Um, so yeah, went from cold to cold. Um, now I'm living on a, on a couple of acres outside Picton. Um, so yeah. just uh, sort of southwest of Sydney. Yeah. Not as cold as the other two places, but um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, we still get some, some cool weather. So yeah. what keeps you busy outside of work? Um, well, we've got the couple of acres there, which yep. certainly keeps us busy. Sure. Um, we're fairly well timbered, so we're a bit fire prone, so there's always uh, clearing up and getting ready for summer to mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Apart from that, uh, I'll play cricket in the summer. Yeah. And I'm um, cool. fairly passionate about cricket. Yep. I'm, a, I'm a bit of addicted to cricket, so yep. yeah, I love that. Oh. Very, very low gra- level 
uh, cricket, but um, not Sydney yeah. first grade. No, 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 <laughs> no definitely. But uh, yeah, so that sort of takes up Saturdays right through the summer for me. So cr- cricket's not a big thing in Finland. So that was just a love you you got with uh, cricket's definitely not a big thing in Finland. Um, yeah, I don't know why. It's just when I came to Australia, we were working on the farm. The radio was on. Yeah, the the ashes was on, and I mm-hmm. didn't really know what was going on. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I think we got to. It must have been about 78 or so and uh yeah the Aussies were getting getting hammered by the poms yeah. but uh, I'd somehow got fascinated with cricket we ended up getting a television and I saw it on TV and I don't know something about the game the history yeah. of the game yeah. um yeah I just really enjoy it and play with a really good bunch of blokes we've got a lot of father sons in the team yeah, three, three father sons my son plays in the team as well oh, so that. yeah that's when I started playing again when he moved from juniors to seniors. Yeah. So we could play together. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah, it's good fun. Well, it's going to be a hot old summer for cricket and Picton, I'd imagine, this summer, but you'd be used to it. It's, it's, the forecast certainly yeah. sounds like it's uh, going to be a bit different the last couple of seasons when we've had more washouts than actually yeah. playing cricket. <laughs> yep. But yeah, you uh, yeah. go on the field the last two years. No, so. no, the, not much. Oh, very good. Well, um, I, I hope this provided everyone with a, a totally different look um, at our industry. It's, it's not all just about harvesting, growing, selling and using turf. There's so much goes on in the background to developing the products that we use every single day and and Yuri and his company are a massive part of that and the role that they have in providing sustainable uh, turf products that actually work is super, super important. So check out Enview uh, when you get a chance and some of the products that they work with and um, I think everyone will, will really enjoy this listen, Yuri. So we thank you so much for coming on. Thanks, Joe. Cheers. Opening bowler, opening bat, what do you do? <laughs> I'll stand at first slip until everyone else ready to go. <laughs>